In this episode of Serious Art Only Conversations, I sit down with founding member of Ethereum, Gianni D'Alerta. Gianni has been working in technology, branding, and marketing for more than 20 years, beginning his career during the first dot-com boom at one of Miami's first internet service providers. Gianni's insatiable curiosity drew him to the blockchain industry in 2013, where he was a founding member of Ethereum. In 2017, he worked alongside Ethereum's founder as the director of marketing, leading the organization's global branding initiatives. Today, you can find him helping businesses with their NFT, blockchain, and marketing strategies at NACA. He also has a passion project called nftcuba.art, where he helps Cuban artists succeed in the NFT industry. My conversation with Gianni was extremely informative. He talks about all aspects of the industry, from blockchain to art, to understanding what Miami means in this extremely niche world that seems to be growing and growing beyond bounds. I learned so much, and I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Serious Art Only is the fine art NFT platform. We work hand-in-hand with world-renowned artists and cultivate exclusive NFT collections. Our members-only approach allows us to create real community and also host immersive exhibitions at the Temple House in Miami Beach. Become a member today at SeriousArtOnly.com. Thank you so much, Gianni, for Thank being you. here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I want to hear a little bit. I'm sure you've told this story so many times, just because Ethereum is in the conversation nonstop these days. How were the beginning days for you of kind of getting introduced in the early, you know, 2012, I mean, 2012 to 14 stage of all of this? Can you just give me a little bit of background on that? Sure. Uh, I actually was working uh, for a company called Anywhere, which was a success story here in Miami. I was one of like 15 employees and then became a huge success. And then after I left many years after, uh, somebody had mentioned that they were mining for Bitcoin, right? And I was like, what the hell is that? This is like 2012. Um, and they were working for a company that did, had servers and they did like virtual desktops and all that. And so while the servers weren't being utilized, they were mining for Bitcoin. Oh my God. And so I was like, what is this? I still, it didn't make sense to me. I was more creative or right. a designer type person. Uh, building websites and things like that. So it just didn't stick in my brain. Right. Uh, it was too too financial, too weird. Right. Um, and then in 2013, um, during the Silk Road uh, debacle, you know, right. they got caught and, and it would hit the news. This whole thing about the dark net and using cryptocurrency as a way to like interact. Uh, the Silk Road part wasn't very interesting to me. It was right. more about the idea of this currency right. being utilized amongst people. And I started just devouring as much information as I could find from forums to, you know, whatever, whatever I could find is like up all night, just like reading a bunch of stuff. And then uh, I discovered Bitcoin forum. I started posting stuff. I posted a JPEG with like repeating background of snowflakes and Bitcoin logo. And I put my Bitcoin address and someone sent me like $50 worth of Bitcoin. I was like, oh, this is cool. I earned it because I couldn't buy it. It was very right. challenging to find where to get it. And I was writing Bitcoin magazine. And that's when I kind of discovered uh, Vitalik Buterin. He would write for Bitcoin magazine in just general terms right. about blockchain. And I got deep into the community because that New Year's 2014, I launched a website called 51 Attack, which was 
kind of like making t-shirts for people's love affair with their the coins that they love like dogecoin and bitcoin and they're like grunge and like a little bit streetwearish. So cool. um and so i launched and i would accept 47 different cryptocurrencies auto trade them to bitcoin as a demonstration that i can do a closed ecosystem of crypto and that way never touch fiat so wow. people would pay for it it would auto trade to bitcoin i found the supplier and creator and a fulfiller in in California who I could send bitcoin to he wow. would do all the work and then ship it and then I'd buy gift cards with the bitcoin with a 10% premium because he wanted the person behind the company wanted bitcoin right. and he just you know he was paying a premium for it and then I would use the gift cards to just interact with the world and because of that during the North American Bitcoin conference of 2014 here in Miami you know, it was like literally at the Jackie Gleason wow. uh, auditorium. I get a call from some friends from the, the Bitcoin Center mm. saying, hey, the people from Ethereum need some help with some T-shirts. Do you think you can help them? So I'm like, probably not, but I'm a Miami guy and I'm not going to say no. I'm going to okay. hustle my way and figure it out. And so I end up in a house in Miami Shores. The whole Ethereum team was there. Wow. And, you know, I knew right there that I was like sitting in like the garage with like right. Steve Jobs and like all these people. So I, I even took a picture. It felt of like, like a moment. It yeah. felt like a moment. Instagram says I'm witnessing history. I wrote it there. Wow. Uh, and I could see the vision. That was my question. It was like, was that because, you know, we all talk about those early days of when Apple started or when Google was founded. Like, I'm always curious about did those people know? Did they feel it? And I'm curious, coming from this new age, we really are in this opening up field. And it seems like the genuine thread that pulled you in was really curiosity and understanding this from a human level of what, what could this do for people? Yeah. Am I right in thinking that? Because it's a, it really does do that. It opens up those doors in a, in a crazy way. So. I'm curious, what did you, what did you study in college? You studied marketing? I wanna... Graphic design, actually. I went to wow. the Art Institute of Lauderdale. Um, I was going to study to be a teacher or a professional. Nice Cuban parents want their right. sons and daughters to be doctors or teachers. Right. You know, like any, any good parent. Any good parent. Wants, <laughs> something <wants>. stable. <laughs> something stable. But I went to Miami Dade and I did something in Photoshop and the teacher's like, you should study graphic design. I'm like, graphic design? I can make money doing that? Right. So I just enrolled myself and I, and I would, you know, drive myself there um and during that time it was the first dot-com boom too right and i so started was, like geeking out and building websites and i immediately got a job and kind of like that was like the first 10 years of my life wow. doing more creative stuff um so relating it, to that the, the interesting part is really kind of seeing the multi you're a very multifaceted person which i find very interesting and i think that this world this um, era in NFTs and blockchain is really, it works well for people that can think on their feet in all of those ways and kind of pick and choose these really interesting little projects to go after. So at, with your experience, I, I would picture you being able to really communicate with artists in a way that they understand because it's different. So you, you kind of do a job that I, I find myself in the position of I'm not an expert in crypto or any of it, and you are, but you also have the side of marketing and communication. So it's a rare position to be in. It's, it's what does that feel like to do that type of, to do that type of translation? Well, almost more so for my advice, yeah. because I'm really interested in, even with my dad or if people that I'm trying to talk about, he's like, yeah, I really think it's good, but it goes right over my head. So 
What has been your experience seeing that beginning period to now we're in 2022? It's in the vernacular. It's in the zeitgeist. Yeah. What has been that experience for you? It's weird because I experienced that during the first dot-com boom too, because you would build a website and somebody would tell you, why are you going to build a website? Who's going to go to the website? Right. Why would anybody buy anything online? Right. Why are you going to connect to your bank account on your phone? You know, why would you ever do that? You're going to get hacked. Right. Like all those things happen. Or being in, in junior high, having a beeper, you know, it's like, why do you need a beeper? That? <laughs> That's only for, you know, doctors and drug dealers, you right. know? Well, you know, there's a creative cultural thing that happens. And I think the crypto at the crypto stage in the 2014, 2017 was very financially motivating, yeah. motivated and speculative. And, and there was a lot of interesting projects being built, but because of NFTs, it kind of bridged a lot of cultural things, yeah. people that they can identify with. Because only until like someone sent you an email, right. did you understand what that name and the at sign right. and the dot com thing was? And that email then is tied to a domain, right. which you go to a website. And it starts to mean something to you. Exactly. So the value, yeah. So the value is actually tangibly starting to be there Correct. now in the NFT space because it's beautiful. Like so the artwork is attractive and I think it's that simple for people is that we need to I, we need to identify with a visual or something. Or the person or, or the, the artist, right? That was my other thing is so we're serious art only and we've kind of explained this to you, but our goal is really to bring in the story and to elevate the artist through that story. So their artwork has that depth and the value that it would have if you're going to a museum or if you're going to a Christie's auction. So I'm curious, just because you have this amazing insight, especially in the Miami scene, do you think that that's where people are, would they be interested in moving that way? Because it's a, it's a new space as far as being able to bring people together around it other than these little communities. Do you see it moving to more of a mainstream thing or do you think it stays in, in smaller, tight-knit communities around one like idea or around one piece of work? I think, I think the, the difference that, you know, like just stepping back and not being in the, the fine, art, fine art world right. technically. I mean, I'm a, I'm a designer. Right. I've been enamored by art my whole life. It's like right. not that I'm like separated from it, but not professionally. It's part of life. Like that's, yeah, yeah it's integrated. I'm not professionally involved in fine art. More so now because of entities and certain people that I'm interacting with and right. the conversations I'm having. But I think the difference is that the top work and the top artists and the things that you would know were things that you read about, things that where you were educated with in like just in school right. or like in TV or, or the news. Like it was like a, a different echelon, right? Right. Now because of NFTs, kind of democratize the access to people like appreciating the artwork. I think that's very interesting because I find that the NFT artwork that's getting valued very high is actually shifting what people see as yeah. val high value artwork. And, and, again, and again, almost the value is still subjective. It's always been subjective. Always, and, what's yeah. this, and, and you would give value to something that has a better story. Right. Someone that you can get to know what their story is, right. what their personality is, what what's their statement. You know, everybody, you know, you see a professional artist, they have an artist statement. Why? Right. You know, it's not just the pieces of work. You, that artist statement means something. Why are they doing what they're doing? Who are they? What, what's, what happened in their life that right. led them to do these things? And then when they, it's not just, here's a piece of, here's a picture. Right. Like, it's your go, perspective. They go deep right. with it right. and they like explain it and, right. and, and also you as a viewer have your own perspective and thinking about it, right? Absolutely. And this makes me think of, I wanted to bring up the, um, your Cuba art project, mm -hmm. which 
I would just love to hear from you about your passion and what it's doing for people, which is really the utility, the beauty of the utility of the NFT. So please just tell us about that. Yeah. Well, it actually starts the night before that night in Ethereum, because before I even spoke and before anybody heard my voice, they were having like a call and they asked, what do you think Ethereum would do for the world? And I just like the first thing I think I said, I blurted out, I go, I think it will help the country where my parents are from, which is Cuba, wow. to give them access to the world in a different way that's not controlled by a government or, right. or gives them the means to be, you know, I, I wasn't using the term sovereign, but, right. you know, that's Independent, some, right. there's a sovereignty with blockchain. And so fast forward to now, like, uh, you know, I think it's, it's almost at a, a year, like to this date. Um, I was on a clubhouse because everybody was, I know I was too. (laughs) And uh, I I don't, I didn't tend to be on those too often, but I was in one and, and I, and I started talking about NFTs and this guy said, Hey, you sound like you're from Miami. I'm like, what do you mean? I sound like I'm from Miami. Well, and we started chatting and I started following him. And then he posts this thing about this, this Cuban NFT artist or photographer who didn't have enough Ethereum to mint his work. And so that like struck me big time. Right. And so I found this person, I found him on Twitter. I started communicating with him. His name, name is Gabriel uh, Bianchini, another wow. Italian name, but so he's funny. a Cuban guy. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, his first NFT was, was, uh, was purchased. And then the second NFT was for sale. And I was like, if I'm going to buy any NFT, if I'm not going to buy an NFT, I got to buy his NFT. Right. And then we had a conversation over the phone. I'd never spoken to anybody on the island. Always wow. people that have come over. Right. And that was very emotional for me. That's a big a big conversation and so he mentioned there's telegram groups with like 100 or so artists that are trying to do nfts there's people doing crypto in cuba like these things were like conflicting with my own perspective of what cuba was and so i had to like flex my spanish muscles get in the telegrams (laughs) like start trying to help them and understand that they have only had access to the internet for like a couple years right so they're not like used to instagram and twitter and they got to pay a lot of money right to even be online so i just try to give them as much time and effort to like help bolster them as a community. And so that's the antithesis of NFT Cuba, that art. It's incredible. They know that the the access has been so short and there's still, there's, there's people still finding a way to be able to do this. That's the thing that I take away from this. Yes. That tenacity. And that's what you're doing is so beautiful because it gives people that have that insane work ethic and beautiful art to express a way to do that. Think about being caught up in a pandemic where the majority of the art that gets sold is from tourists that are coming to the, to the, you know, and forget about the embargo, forget about any other thing that just their economy, just people coming and going. They didn't have that. So this is a means for them to sell was really fantastic. And so I was trying to figure out ways to extend it even further. Right. So I introduced this thing called like Apatera challenge. Mm. If you're from Miami and you had a Cuban coffee, uh, or you went to a house, you have like, they make it in an Italian mocha pot. Mm. Uh, it's kind of funny. Now we're talking Italian Gianni. Very interesting Yanchini, little, I know. <laughs> kind of like connections. But you, you know, you always make a Cuban, Cuban coffee. It binds every Cuban anywhere you're at in the yeah. world. And so I started getting them to do a challenge and they would do whatever they liked. Uh, and just really phenomenal ideas of such an, you know, object, or, or, right? ordinary object them like exploring this. We've done 15 of them. Oh, I love that. Um, we've done a whole series of graphic design ones, obviously. Awesome. Line to, like right. to tie in the, the graphic design stuff. 
And so it's been very uplifting. There's 70 artists on the website right now. Wow. Um, we've had all these, these things with the cafeteria. I haven't made a dime off of it, right? right. It's, I basically paid for the first mint. Right. And all the, like 70% of it goes back to the Cuban artists. It's amazing. And everything stays in the wallet. So I never touch it. It's like if the wallet didn't exist, uh, it just keeps getting recycled That's into doing that. The so. concept is so cool because like you initialize the, you create the ecosystem and it almost really feeds itself. You have to keep bringing it, introducing those amazing concepts, Correct. like creating the coffee pot and doing, I mean, but if you introduce a creative idea and these people grab onto it and run with it with all of the awesome talent that they bring to the table, it's like, that's in itself amazing. Yeah, Just and they themselves amazing. have like self-organized because they... They, they use an online virtual gallery for, for, for NFTs and they, they, they curated a hundred Cuban artists, each with their individual art and put this on display. Wow. I think they sold like 70% of these pieces. Wow. Um, and, and, and if you look at the art, it's like really impressive. Yeah. It's not, you know, these are very dedicated there and are, very yeah, humble. Of course. They're not like, uh, not to say that artists are not humble, but they're, they're really just doing their craft. Right. And these artists deserve that type of exposure. Absolutely. Yep. So th I just, I'm mind blown by the dedication and the, the good that can be done with this technology. And just showing that example is so inspiring, yeah. especially being in Miami and having that real life impact and so close, so close to home. It's yeah. unbelievable. As Everybody a New Yorker, identi identifies if you're a Republican yeah. or a liberal, you know, supporting an artist anywhere. I think it's, it's cool. It doesn't there's even no, there's matter. No political anything. It crosses all boundaries. I right. really do believe that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's amazing. It's an amazing time to be here and to be able to have these kind of conversations with people like you who have really been fighting for the, the good that's within the, the technology and the people connecting for all the right reasons. Yeah. So Gianni, I couldn't thank you more for coming in and thank speaking so with me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to come back soon and have more conversations and stories with industry leaders and experts.